0: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
1: Well, thank you for joining me today, and I'm so excited to have you listening today. I think you're going to really, really love this show. I have a very special guest with me today, and her name is Susie Larson. She is also a radio host and an author and a national speaker, and she hosts her own daily live talk show called Live the Promise with Susie Larson. And she has, I think she's coming up on her 10th book that she has written. She also um, works with Moody Radio, she also works with Dr. Gary Smalley, she's worked with Liz Curtis Higgs, Ruth Graham. I mean, the list just goes on and on. So I'm very, very excited to have her here. And and um, she is doing some new things. She's also here in Washington, D.C., and she represents the International Justice Missions Concern. And um, it, this is meetings with Congress as a part of the efforts to abolish and prevent human trafficking and slavery. So she's got a lot going on, and I'm very thankful, Susie, that you are taking time out of your day To just be on this show, and I know that the listeners are going to be so excited to hear what you have to say. So if you could just
2: say hello. Cynthia, it's just an honor to be with you, and you and I talked for the first time, I think it was a couple months ago, we were automatically kindred spirits, so I'm super honored to be with you today. Well, thank
1: you. Well, you know, it was so amazing when we did speak, because, you know, we really talked about this idea of triumphs through trials, and that as Christians— You know, a lot of times we talk about suffering, but we don't really get to talk about just the daily suffering and and just the difficulties that life brings. And sometimes these difficulties are are not necessarily, you know, God-inspired. They're just part of living on this planet, and God can still use everything to work together for our good. And so you just have a, a remarkable story of how you even got into media
2: yeah, you know, that is really, really true, because I, I grew up in a large family, a wonderful large family, wonderful parents, um, and they were engaged with us, and, you know, it was really a, a precious growing up time, but still, a couple of things happened when I was a young girl at the hands of teenage boys that forever marked my sense of self. I, I didn't have a, a sense of—I wasn't a Christian as a child. I, had to, I grew up in a denomination where God was very real. I didn't have a personal knowledge of Jesus as my Savior at all, and just, but again, loving family and and God was real, but that's really all I really knew. Um, When I was nine years old, I won't, I won't, I don't want to get into the details of it, but um, was pinned down uh, by some teenage boys, and I don't want to even say more than that, but got up from that incident uh, with just a trauma in my soul, very confused about my identity, and, and had lots of dreams of being chased and attacked, and when I was 10 years old, walking home from school one day, a different group of boys, teenage boys, they I was, I was crossing a baseball field to get home, and they were sitting in the dugout. I'm, I'm quite sure they were high on something, because I was like four feet tall. I was a small girl, and they ran after me and knocked me down and, and beat me up. They uh, punched me and kicked me and pulled fistfuls of hair out. and oh I was curled in a ball, screaming, crying, and truly got up from that place, so traumatized. And... Uh, the, the, the lies that came out of those two incidents that, or that you have no worth and you're never safe. And so I grew up with painful insecurity and just paralyzing fear that I was just um, always, you know, that I was never safe and that I really, that God would sometimes look away. And when he looked away was when bad things were going to happen to me. And, and so, I, you know, I became a striver in middle school. I was a decent athlete, a gymnast and in high school, cheerleader and, could sing, and I, I just really got very busy in high school activities, really to sort of prove myself out of the lie, which you can't do. You know what I'm saying? It was Absolutely. like God had given me some God-given gifts, and I think we all do this to some degree until so we believe the truth, but we use the God-given gifts that are meant to be stewarded and for His purposes, and we use them to rescue ourselves, and that's the misuse of the gift Absolutely. out of a lie. And so I came to Christ in eighth grade, and I understood that I needed a Savior. I understood it, but I didn't get that I was loved. And so I really went into my teenage years and in young adult years, came into marriage with a very passionate walk of faith, but really still trying to prove myself. I had a passionate walk of faith, but it was really more about what I could do for God because of what He'd done for me on the cross, which in, in essence is accurate, but truly when you're striving out of a lie, you're not enjoying His love. And so Things took a turn in the early years of marriage, but that sort of gets you up to speed. Well,
1: I think that's that's amazing when you bring up this whole idea of lies, because when I talk with clients or speak about worth and value, one of the things I really focus on is this idea that the enemy, his greatest lie, is to to tell us that we actually can increase or decrease our value. Mm -hmm. And when I talk to clients, I say, you know, if I give you a $100 bill... It's always $100, no matter where it's been used, what it's been used for, where it's been, how dirty it is, how crumpled up it is. It's always $100. And so the enemy wants to tell us that what happens to us, what we've done, what we don't have, what we should have, somehow affects our worth and value. And then you're right. You know, we have very similar stories, which is always amazing to me, that that I did the same thing, where I used those gifts and talents that God gave me to think that I could somehow reestablish my worth, that I would somehow then be accepted, wanted, loved, all those things, missing the whole, you know, concept that God truly loved me, not just died for mm-hmm. me, but actually loves me.
2: Yeah. I mean, he sings over us. Yes. And he enjoys us. Yes. And Yes. Uh, so, if you, you jump ahead, and married a wonderful, godly man, and uh, we got pregnant on our honeymoon. We were going to wait to have kids, but through the pregnancy, found out I had endometriosis. And they said, have your kids now because you'll have a hysterectomy in your 20s, which I ended up having. And uh, I, will, I probably don't have time to get into it too much, but high risk pregnancies months on bed
1: rest.
2: Um, Here again, all my striving sort of came to naught because I had to go on bed rest to save these precious little babies in my womb. And it confronted my striving because I wasn't able to do it. And uh, during our third pregnancy, I was on bed rest for six months with a one and a three-year-old and we were financially absolutely going broke. One day, the doctor let me up. I was probably six months along now. So I've been in bed for three months. And the doc said, let's test the waters. I was getting pretty depressed and all my friends seemed like the haves, and I felt like have not. I mean, they had their health, they had money, they, had, they were able to be up and around, and I was a debt to society because everybody had to help us. And mm. It was just, it confronted every insecurity in me. Well, the one day I got up, met some girlfriends from college, and it a fall day. We walked along a path on a river and had lunch. It was glorious, but I was contracting by that night. And within two weeks of that time, my face started to go numb, and I started to have some neurological issues. And long story short, my one day up, I was apparently bit by the deer tick. I never saw it, but I got Lyme disease, and it took a year to diagnose. And uh, I, it ravaged my health for those early years of marriage. And so here again, the lie was, I enemy mean, was like, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, without your permission. And so it just kind of firmed up that stronghold of um, that God didn't have my back,
1: you right, know. Right, and So
2: in that place, though, when I was pressing into God and wondering. Where are you? You know, there were a few just landmark moments where God met me and spoke to me. And Cynthia, one of them was uh, when I was just crying out to him one morning, and I was active in the Word, journaling, memorizing Scripture, and he was silent, it seemed, you know, and I didn't know this, but he was involved in my story. I just couldn't feel him or see him. Right. But there was a moment he broke through and said, you know, I know that you love me, but you don't seem to know that I love you. And so until I tell you different." I want you to, every time you want to say, I love you, Lord, I want you to turn it around and say, you love me, Lord. And it felt so awkward to me. It felt like a foreign language. And so I would like yell at my kids and feel terrible about it. And he'd say, say it now. I'd say, even here, Lord, even here, you love me. And what I learned as I started to do that, and I went through counseling to sort through the trauma of my childhood. And that was important but nothing healed my soul like the love of God. And now at conferences, I have women put their hand on their heart and say, you love me, Lord. And without fail, there are women who stiffen up and almost refuse to do it like they're too spiritual to do it. And I speak right to them and say, you know what? It is not that we love God. It's that he loved us. It's not about how high you can jump. It's that he stooped down to make you great. And if if the wonder of who you are and what you get to do upstages, what he's already done, you've already lost your way. We are so reliant on this love, but to know this love, as Ephesians says, then is to be filled with the fullness of God. And uh, we, we come to Christ in humility saying, I need a Savior. Well, I think we grow in Christ in our humble admission that He loved us first and, and he, He's never going to not love us. And I think that will heal your soul like nothing will.
1: I think that's a word for so many people today that they probably really needed to hear and to be able to really use that that, that just insight that God gave you and to be able to turn it around and have the courage and just permission from you, from me to say, you know, you love me, God. You love me. And to mm-hmm. even if you don't feel it, even if you, it doesn't make sense, even if it feels foreign like like Susie, like you're talking about, I think it's important for the listeners to really say, you know, this is what God is telling us, and he wants us to do this. He wants us to know how deep, how wide, how big his love is for us, because he knows that conquers all sin.
2: It does. And as I mentioned, you know, Ephesians, it says to know this love is to be filled with the fullness of God. Yes. And First John 4, 16, it says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And so if you're someone who stiffens up at the very thought of it, if you almost that seems beneath you, um, I just got to say, too, with all the love I can muster <laughs> here, it's not sustainable. This, this Christian walk, this faith journey is not sustainable if more emphasis is on what you do and how you love than it is on what he's done and how he loves. Because there will be times you'll need to be carried along, but guess what? He will carry you along. And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. And in turn, we become more loving. We become more patient. We become more great grateful. And I think when we rely more on our efforts, we either become Pharisees or we despair because we fall down so often.
1: You know? um, absolutely. I think that's really important for listeners to hear is is that there really is no sustainable way to do life on your own. And we have so many yeah. examples of this. Now, we're coming up to um, the end of this first segment. So, listeners, I really want to encourage you to join with us in this next segment because I think that you're going to get some really important uh, truths from Susie. And these are truths that are not just educationally or intellectually understood by her. These are, are truths that have been walked out by her. So, Susie, can you give the listeners a way to get a hold of you or to find out more about you?
2: Indeed. Well, my website is SusieLarson.com. And then I also post a morning blessing and an evening blessing every day on Facebook that, that people find encouragement there. So Facebook page is uh, Facebook.com slash Deeper Life in Christ. But if you just search Susie Larson, you'll find it that way as well.
1: That is awesome. Deeper life in Christ. So good. So again, thank you listeners for being here today. And we are coming up on on our break. So join us in the next segment. We have Susie Larson, uh, international author and speaker. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I am so glad you joined me today, and you will be very happy that you joined me as well. I have uh, Susie Larson, who is a very famous international author and speaker. She has uh, nine books. I think she's working on her 10th one now, and she just has a great life story, And, and you know, if you've listened to my show at all, you know how important life stories are. And that everybody has a life story. And, and I'm always telling my clients, anybody I, I know, that, you know, you don't leave this planet without a really big story. And that your story is valuable and it's, it's worthy of being heard. And so when we hear other people's stories, we get to, to kind of recognize, wow, they're going through some of the same things I am. Or maybe they're going through something I will go through. Or that's how I got through it. So, Susie, thank you so much for being here today.
2: So oh, good to be with you, dear sister.
1: Thank you. And I, I, you know, you told a lot of your story in the last segment, and so maybe you can just kind of pick up from there on how mm-hmm. you how that's being integrated and how you did that. I mean, especially as a young child, that was some really big things that you had to endure.
2: Well. You know, picking up where I left off, here I'm a young mom with three little kids, and I remember i have been on bed rest for three months of one pregnancy, six months of another, and so my dear friends, I kind of almost used them up, which was so painful for me because they were bringing meals, but six months is a long time to do that, and, you know, getting bit by the deer tick unknowingly during the pregnancy, I delivered our third son, and then my my health went absolutely downhill, and so my dear friends had to kind of get back to their lives, and I finally had delivered, but my my worst battle was a of me with this Lyme disease. And so, uh, and one just side note I just need to tell you is that once I was finally diagnosed a year later, um, if I could just back up when my, my baby was four weeks old, he ended up in the hospital with um, a double pneumonia. And I was so exhausted. My face was numbing. My, I was having memory issues and, and neurological and joint pain and all kinds of things. But we checked our baby into the hospital and I'm so tired and I felt truly like God had lost my address. But as Kev went to go call family members to ask them to pray, I'm sitting by this little crib tent with my baby with tubes in and, you know, mist going into his tent and all that. And this joy spilled over me, and I didn't understand it. I wrote it in my journal. I don't know what this is, Lord, but I will take it. And I just felt so in a dry and weary land. Well, if you jump ahead a year later, I've got a nurse out at my house, you know, filling my fridge up with IV bags because we finally figured out I had Lyme disease and um, I've got a shunt in my arm, and I'm oh so sick. I'm in 20s, and I feel like I'm in my 90s, and I just, I was sort of at a loss because I could not outrun this enemy of my soul. It just seemed like he kept having the last say in my story, and I just, and and I didn't have a strong enough faith foundation under me to answer my critics, and so, you know, one person had said, you know, loving God wouldn't let this many hard things happen to one family. Um, maybe, maybe you're hiding sin, and, and I was devastated wow. by that because i'm like nobody wants out of this like like i do but i have no idea what i did to chase him away so here i'm on this wretched couch that was popping springs because i just spent six months on it from this pregnancy and now i'm going back to this couch to be hooked up to this iv which is hooked up to our mini blinds <laughs> and my one-year-old by this time my little guy runs into the living room to speedy gonzalez and the nurse looks at him and says what's he doing alive?" And wow What do you mean? And she said, well, as far as we know, this passes through the placenta 100% of the time. She said, I've taken care of two women who were bit during the pregnancy, like you were, who went a year undiagnosed, like you did, and both those babies went blind and died. Oh, my gosh. Why is he alive? And she asked about his health history, and when we traced it back, at four weeks old, when the joy was being poured into my heart, the medicine that they had used on his double pneumonia is what they would have used had they known he had Lyme's disease in his body.
1: That is a miracle.
2: It is a miracle. And I literally went to my knees in the living room in front of the nurse and wept. And I put my hands in the air and I just said, God, I won't shake my fist at you ever again. And it was like, you are working in ways we cannot see. That sounds so cliche until it's your truth. And it is true that He is always working, always interceding. He's always good. He's always for us. And even though we can't see His movement, it doesn't mean He's not moving. And so, that word I just feel like may be for someone today because we we let our emotions win the day and our emotions so much get their information by what our eyes see. And I feel like our emotions aren't bad. They're just information. But sometimes our emotions lead us to believe His promises aren't true because they don't feel true. But the truth is still true. I mean, the truth is true. Right, <laughs> and, right. And, and so that was one really landmark moment, another one was when I was on the floor, laying on the floor with my three little boys, so weak, and I'd lost any kind of vision, even though I came into Christianity, very passionate, all these dreams and things I wanted to do. That had all gone away because my short-term memory was wiped out from this disease, and I was sick, and I was so young, and I'm laying on the floor watching them play, and a woman called from our church, and she said, I've heard all the talk about what you guys are going through, and I wanted to know for myself what this was all about. So I brought your concern to the Lord in my prayer closet, and she said, Susie, listen to me. She said, the Lord showed me a platform that He's building with your pain that you're going to speak from someday. And so she said, so lean in and learn everything you can, because you're going to have a story to tell. And in the midst of that hellish, dry wilderness, it was like God opened the sky for a moment, and He gave me a truth that I knew was true. It was like prior to that, Cynthia, it was like when my face would buzz with numbness, my whole right side. It was like the enemy had me by the face going, where's your God now? Where is he now? And I didn't have an answer because I couldn't feel him. I couldn't see him. The words seemed dead on the page. But after that, I literally would rise up and say out loud, my God will come through for me. He will have the last day. This story is not over yet. And I just started to speak the truth of God over my circumstances. I mean, I literally held up my checkbook going, my God will supply my needs. You know, every morning I'd wake up and look in the mirror at my numb face because one of the things with Lyme's was self- palsy, and I was always so afraid this would be the day my face drooped, you know. And that after that, I would put my hand on my face and look in the mirror and go, you will not die, but live. And declare the work to the Lord. And I just, and I'm not, I hope you don't hear me say name it and claim it, but I am saying stand on the truth of God's scripture and his promises. He gave me permission to believe that my story wasn't over yet, that this sickness wouldn't end in death. And so I rose up and started to speak life, and faith rose up in me in a significant way.
1: Well, I think that, you know, what I'm hearing is so amazing because. This Also, this portion that I think needs to be encouraged is this idea of praying people.
2: And that when people
1: are praying for us, a lot of times they don't get the affirmation that they need. But, you know, that was a, a gift from God that God had heard your prayers. And there was somebody standing in the gap for you that heard and was able to come alongside and encourage, you know, what you kind of were hearing in some ways in your spirit already. But it was, you know, to really hear that said to you and for her to really encourage you in that manner is huge. It, it, it's huge. And we forget, I mean, I forget about that. I, you know, I have to admit, I'm not great all the time about praying. And and I love to pray, and I pray with my clients every day. But when it comes to me or to, like, my, you know, my husband or, you know, close friends, many times I forget to do that with them. and And I forget that, wow, I could be a real conduit for them in terms of really ushering in faith from God, because I also know them, and and I care about them, and I love them.
2: Well, can you see why the enemy keeps us so tied up in our issues? Absolutely. You know, our fears matter, but I think there's a point where you can coddle your fears to a point of rebelliousness. Absolutely, absolutely. And my my heart and passion as I travel around, Cynthia, is that that women would be mobilized. To be this righteous army, men too, but I speak mostly to women. But I just want to say, I, I was one, I was the poster child for captivity, for fear, for insecurity. See, this is,
1: let, let, we're, I have to end this on this hard break, I, but this is where we're going to start up in the next break this issue of fear and how the enemy distracts us. So, this is Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me, and please listen in the next two segments as you continue to hear the wonderful, amazing miracles that God has done in the life through Susie Larson. I feel- Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm so glad you joined me today. I think you're going to really appreciate my guest, all the way from Washington D.C., all the way from the East Coast. This is Susie Larson, and one of the ways that you can get a hold of her and see her website is susielarson.com. And Susie is spelled with an S, so it's S U S I E. L-A-R-S-O-N dot com. She also does wonderful, inspirational things on Facebook. So she does a morning blessing and an afternoon blessing, and they really are a blessing. And that is Deeper Life in Christ um, on Facebook. So I really encourage you to, to visit that. If you have not heard... This show, And you're just joining us right now. You can listen to it in its entirety on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. And the podcasts are there so you can listen to the entire show. So, Susie, thank you for being here again. And, and we left off talking about, you know, you gave us this incredible life story of so much hardship, tribulation and miracles at the same time. And the idea that fear is so crippling, especially to us as women, and and that many times we fall into that, and it can be such a distraction.
2: You know it can. and one of my passions is, is that we would not only walk out our salvation, but we would walk out in freedom. Because I believe, Cynthia, that many Christians um, who are saved are going to live and die and realize I was saved, but I wasn't free. And I lived in constant reaction to my fears, my issues, my insecurities. But you know what? The... the Heaven, as glorious as it is, the Holy Spirit is also inhabits us now to untangle our fears, to heal our soul. I mean, it is possible to experience a measure of wholeness, of healing. I mean, you're living proof of that. I'm living proof of that. And as, as God gets into our soul and untangles our fears and puts a fire in our belly, we become the world changers He intended us to be. And so I'm super passionate about that. And and, and I think it's in Psalms It talks about how the Israelites refused to believe God's promise to love and care for them, so they stayed in their tents and grumbled and refused to obey the Lord. So it's like, for one thing, they didn't believe that God had a promised land for them and a promise written over their lives. They refused to believe it. So instead, they sat in their tents, so they weren't mobilized. They grumbled about their lives as if they were offended by God. When He was the one who offered a promise, they had the unbelief to not lay hold of it. And then they refused to obey Him. And I think there's times when we have to do things afraid. And I think the importance of cultivating an intimate walk with God, a daily walk with Him where you're in the Word, where you're not only praying, but you're listening. So you get used to what His voice sounds like. Just do the next thing He tells you to today, and He'll get you where you need to go tomorrow. And there's nothing like following Him through the highs and the lows, because that is where you see the miracles. That's where you see His faithfulness. And I think part of our own healing happens when we tend to the needs of others as well.
1: I, th- I think that's really important to hear. And and this it, this whole idea of fears and distraction. And, and really, you know, I think at the same time, we also can condemn ourselves for being afraid and feel yeah. guilty that we're afraid. And, you know, it's kind of like when I read the Bible and it says all these commandments, do not fear, do not be afraid. You know, I God kind of gave me some insight, at least for me, the way that he was saying it to me was, It's like talking to a child when you say to them, oh, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Don't worry about this. It's not like he's saying, don't be afraid, like he's mad at us, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's really hearing that God is saying, I have it all in control, even though it doesn't look like it to you. There's a much bigger picture going on. And that's what your story is all about, is that there are so many things God was doing that you didn't know or couldn't conceive of and you had to trust.
2: I love that, and I totally agree with you about God's tone, because He is always for us. Yes. uh, And and so I, I pray that you hear that listening today, that this is always invitation, not obligation. Um, and so mm. hear that, that, that God invites us to trust Him more. He's so, so very good. But my point is I've studied the Israelites, because fear is still an issue with me. I, I feel like I've come so far, and there's times I'm just like, oh, God, I'm so sorry that I'm feeling afraid again. And that's the tone, what you're saying. That's what I hear from Him. But because I've yet battled fear, I have studied on it, and I do believe that there is a point where you cling to your fears. More than you cling to the promises of God, it does become an act of disobedience. And this is not. There's no condemnation, but to understand that His promises are truer even than your fears. And well, so-
1: we open up. We open up room for the enemy to lie to us totally. further. And so, totally. we're coming up on a on another break. This one goes so short. So, listeners, I want to encourage you to stay with us. We're going to finish out this show with Susie Larson and talking about this whole idea of overcoming fear, how to overcome fear. And it isn't like I overcome it and then I'm done having to battle it, which is what Susie just said. She still works on that. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't listened, uh, heard the, in sh- the entire show, you can listen to it on my website, which is CynthiaHyatt.com. And Susie, give us the information about how to get a hold of you again.
2: Our website is the easiest way, SusieLarson.com.
1: And then the Facebook
2: Yes, Facebook.com slash Deeper Life in Christ. Otherwise, you can search Susie Larson. There's a few of them on there, but I think you'll find mine.
1: Awesome. Okay, so I so appreciate, listeners, that you're here with us today, and I want you to encourage you to stay with us. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Cynthia uh, Conversations with Cynthia, and thank you again for joining us. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Uh, You are joining me today with author and international uh, speaker, Susie Larson. And she comes to us from Minnesota, and I had had looked at some of uh, her bio, and she does some work in Washington, D.C., and so I, it's awesome that she is all the way here from Minnesota, and there's a pretty big time difference, but I'm glad that you're joining us today, Susie. And we kind of left off um, with your life story talking about this whole idea of fear and how we, as Christians, manage fear.
2: Yeah, and this is such a common thing for us, and I loved what you had said about the, the sense of God's tone to you when you read scripture. It says, do not fear. You know, Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is a, a tender, loving Father, and this is an invitation to trust Him. And uh, who was it? I don't remember who it was that used the acronym that fear is um, false evidence appearing real. And I just know for me, Cynthia, that I don't want to get to the other side and go, that I had this toothless you know, lion roaring at me, uh, but I could have walked around and I can't let him keep me from doing the things I know God has called me to do. And even my own self-talk at times would keep me from doing what I know God has called me to do. And I remember one time I was out to lunch with a friend and we're both pretty seasoned, serious Christians, but we were both in a raw place where God was setting the plow deeper and unearthing things. And so often when God is doing that, that enemy comes in, you know, and he brings his accusation and his threats. And we were both feeling really vulnerable and raw, but it was a necessary work that God was doing in us. And when she leaned across the table and she said, Susie, I, I've walked with God a long time, but she said, I still feel like I'm scratching the surface of what mm, God has made available. Right, she said, right. Do you feel like that? And just instinctively, Cynthia, I picked up the square napkin and I said, pretend this is a reduced version of the whole territory God intended for me from the beginning of time, because each one of us He's prepared in advance, good work for us to do. I said, just pretend this this represents the boundaries, the fullness and I tore a little piece away and I said when I was young, I heard that my grandpa was beat to death with crowbars over a union dispute in the inner city and grew up here you never go downtown because you'll be beaten, you may be raped and for, and my parents loved us, but just were I think they were so traumatized that it would happened to my mom's dad that that came out of their mouth, which inspired some real fear like oh okay, I, I can't do that. Well, then, of course, I'm pinned down by teenage boys in my own neighborhood. A year later, I'm beaten by teenage boys in my own neighborhood in the suburbs, and I'm tearing pieces away from this napkin going, which made my world shrink that much more. You jump ahead, in this, and this deer tick got me, and it was the lie that you can't hide anywhere, and I had a new thing to fear. When I slowly got out of the battle of my own disease, and we're in our 30s, and it felt like the winds of change were blowing, my big, strong husband was diagnosed with cancer. I tore another piece of the napkin away, and there was another season of my life where a few friends turned on me, and, and just, they admitted later they just loved to hate me and were gossiping about me, and it devastated oh my, me, wow. and I tore another piece of the exactly. napkin, and I'm bawling my eyes out, and I've got this little piece of napkin, and I said to my friend, as I grow in the Lord, my conviction grows with it, and I said, my conviction is the size of this table, but my courage is the size of this little piece of paper. And I said, there is such a big disconnect between what God has promised me.
1: Oh, that's a great analogy. And what
2: I'm experiencing. And I said, I'm done with it. I'm getting my land back. And this was, I don't know... 15 years ago, and I got a new feistiness in my faith, and I thought, I am not living the hunker-down theology, I'm not doing it, and so I thought, what does the Word say? And that's just my word to you, is just to say, as you grow in the Lord, you're going to care about a lot of things that are even beyond you, and we keep making all these adjustments and rules around our fears and insecurities, and I'm saying, be done with it. I mean, I I understand fear, boy do I understand it. But there has to be a point where you go, I'm putting this stuff under my feet. I got stuff to do, and that's how I feel, and I feel pretty feisty about that. So I do believe there is a grace to get your land back so that you can really turn the table on the enemy, make him sorry he ever messed with you, and so that those things, are either the worst things you've ever done or the worst that have ever been done to you, actually become part of your kingdom call and you can help people in the very places that you are hurt, you
1: know? Well, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm so encouraged myself. Thank you for saying all of that. I, I think that's really a word for so many people. And understanding that, you know, that verse John 10.10 10 says, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Life comes to, you know, Christ comes to give us life more abundantly. And it's this idea that when we are believers, you know, really all the enemy has left to do is, is scare us. That's and right. steal and from us. us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, he and and it's so much smoke and mirrors, but it does feel so real. And so I know that for myself, you know, talking about that with other people is very helpful so that I if I get it outside of me, a lot of times it's a lot smaller. You know, in our minds, we we kind of make the big things really small in our mind and the small <laughs> things really big. And so when we start to talk about it, I can say, you know, wow, that's really ridiculous. What am I doing? Or I talk about something I made small and I start to say, wow, that's a really big thing. I probably really need to follow up with that and take care of that. And so I I just think, you know, that the fellowship of the brethren and really taking advantage of that.
2: Oh, you you cut off. Oh, yes, did I? Yeah, yes, 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 I'm so sorry. But absolutely, 100%. I mean, you think about the ways that the enemy comes against us to discourage. Well, of course, because Jesus says, be strong, be courageous. That's what the Bible says. Do not fear or be dismayed. Have courage, which implies some kind of choice on our part. He also comes, the enemy comes to disappoint us. When well, you break that word up, it's to move us away from our divine appointment. Oh, I love that. Say
1: that again. Explain that again.
2: Well, an enemy comes against us to to help us or to to compel us, I should say, to focus on our disappointment. Well, you break the word up. It's to move away from your divine appointment. You know what I mean? And, And yet Jesus says, I've appointed you to bear fruit that lasts. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. In that same passage in John 15, it comes from intimacy and abiding in the vine. And fruit that lasts is fruit that your fruit that bears fruit that bears fruit. So even after you're gone, your fruit is still bearing fruit. But what happens when life hurts us and disappoints us, I mean, we all have things that are breaking our hearts, but if you rehash those things and rehearse them to the point where you're in the emotional ditch, you're, you're moving away from your appointment. And so I say, get into your divine appointment to say, Lord, I'm going to abide in you and even entrust my disappointment to you, because even in this place, there's a divine appointment. Even in this place, I can bear fruit in the, in, the, in the very center of my disappointment, and you will make all things new, you know? Well, you know, and, and, we talk,
1: talk about that a little bit, because I really think that some of the people that are listening are, are not maybe feeling or thinking that they actually have a call on their life. They're thinking that you do or I do because this is what we do, and somehow we have a calling, but they, they miss that they have a divine appointment. They were created for a reason.
2: Indeed. Well, Ephesians 2.10 is, for we are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the wonderful things He planned for us long ago. And what I love, Cynthia, is that comes right after the grace verse, you know, Ephesians 2.8.9. It says, for by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, but as a gift of God, not a result of works, so nobody can boast. So first of all, Scripture is saying, you're not saved by what you do, you're saved by what he's done, by grace, through faith. But you have nothing to brag about. And, oh, by the way, the tip, 10th verse, Ephesians 2.10, you're a masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the wonderful things he planned for you long ago. What I love about that is to say it's all about what Jesus has done. But because you're such a masterpiece, God wants to fill you so he can fill you. And I'm borrowing that mm. phrase from my friend Joanna Weaver. We are masterpieces. So this is not about have and have nots. This is a not. And I think he, in this celebrity Christian culture in America, we over-celebrate those of us with upfront ministries. But the people that I feel like heaven really notices are those who we miss. I agree. Because they are I agree. trusting God and they're serving Him and they're engaging their faith. And so every single one of us are called, every single one of us. But each of our stories, they're just going to look different. But the truth is, when you start to walk intimately, with him and do the next thing he says and trust him with your heartbreak and with your dreams, you will start to see your story unfold and you will say, man, my story, I love my story best because it fits me most. And I think our temptation is to commit that sin of comparison with each other's chapters. But the thing is it doesn't make any sense to compare each other's chapters of life because we're all in different places in our story. I mean, it's like putting 80 books up in the front of the room just randomly opening the pages, reading the pages and comparing the stories. It makes no sense whatsoever because the people that look like they were skating through life when I was crawling through the valley went through deep, deep valleys while I was going through replenishment. And it's like it goes to show you we have our highs, we have our lows. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but you will overcome because he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome. In other words, you're going to overcome. And so we got to keep walking, keep trusting, keep believing and trust the fact that I'm living and breathing on this earth for such a time as this.
1: Absolutely. I, I just think that's such an encouraging word because the enemy, you know, if he can't kill us, he wants to destroy the work that God wants to do. Mm-hmm. If he can't destroy mm-hmm. it, then he wants to steal either our joy, he wants to steal our hope, he wants to steal our confidence. You know, and I know myself, It, you know, no matter how, I, I'm a therapist for a living. I've been doing it for 25 years. I have all kinds of tools but I still am very human, and, and it's tough down here, and the enemy is assaultive, and he is relentless, and he, has, he does not sleep, he doesn't eat, he has no other job than to try and harm the people that God loves. Mm-hmm. And so and he we, plays we dirty. Yes. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, he hits below the belt. Mm-hmm. You know and, and we forget sometimes that part of understanding how, how much God loves us has a lot to do with how much the enemy hates us. Because he hates what God loves.
2: And, and the good news is that these aren't equal forces. Absolutely. You know? I mean, there, there's there's not even a comparison. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And, and we've got to, you know, I think where we lose heart oftentimes is we base so much on what happens in this life. But we're down here for such a short time. Eternity is long. Life on earth is short. But what we do here echoes into eternity. And so it isn't so much about getting our way, although He does give us good gifts to enjoy. Yes, He, he does. does. oftentimes give us the desires of our heart. And then we wonder why we're allowed to go through such hard stuff. But the goal isn't just to have it all wrapped up in a tidy bow on earth. We're not always going to have everything work out the way exactly we want. But He's better than we know. And every time we face a battle, every hardship we go through, there's a benefit for us in it somewhere. There's a takeaway. There's a victory that's possible for us. And there's an opportunity to sow into eternity in that place. And so, you know, he's, he's allowing us to be made warriors. He's preparing us um, for our next place of promise. And I think if we can look up and get a vision for where God is taking us and trust that he's better than we know, we'll be able to keep walking, you know?
1: I think that's a a word of good cheer today. I I think that's it's imperative that we are re energized and reinvigorated and that we hear the truth over and over and over so it comes buries deep within our heart, deep within our soul, and that's how we we battle the world, battle ourselves, battle the Mm -hmm. enemy. And, and so we're kind of coming up on the end of the show. Unfortunately, I've so enjoyed having you on the show today. So take take about a minute or so and, and just maybe give the you know, listeners what you would like them to have as a takeaway.
2: That everybody's called. Everybody listening to my voice, you are called and there's a next place to promise for you. And as you start to awaken to the idea that God has a, a place to promise, you might start to see people who are farther along. And when that dream awakens, so does our self-life, the impatience, the ambition, the sin of comparison. And you just got to know that God is for you, and sometimes He makes you wait because He's making you ready. And so in that in-between time, allow the training time to get you ready to stand in that place because gifting isn't enough to get you there. Character keeps you there. And so God is so protective that He wants to extract from your character the very things the enemy would use as access points. So as you wait for that fulfillment, just keep trusting him, be humble, be teachable. And if you just keep trusting him and you keep being teachable, your toes will touch the edges of that promised land and you'll start to get an appetite for the impossible. And he's looking for faith on the earth, and I pray that he'll find it in you.
1: Oh, I love that. So tell the listeners how they can find you.
2: You can go to SuzyLarson.com, and, I've, and uh, let's see, I've got some messages on video there, my books and different things. And Facebook is probably the other easy way to find me, and that's Facebook.com slash Deeper Life in Christ.
1: Well, thank you, Suzy, so much. You've really been a, just a breath of fresh air and, and a wonderful encouragement and hope for me, for many of the listeners. And uh, listeners, I want to encourage you that if you have not been able to listen to this show in its entirety you can visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, that's c-i-n-t-h-i-a-h-i-e-t-t.com, and the podcast will be available there. You can also see me on Facebook, that's Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., that's I-N-C for Incorporated. Have a blessed week, and God loves you very deeply.
0: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you.